Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. We thank God for the Easter period, sorry, the Lenten period and it coming to one side. Uh, we bless God for all that God has helped us to achieve during the period. And may his grace forever be honored in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me just say that next week we are believing that we would not have as much restriction on the numbers because we'll be using the bigger room for the Easter service. So um, I say I will not have as much restrictions because I don't want to, um, uh, I want to be sure that, you know, I know that most people want to come, families want to come and, you know, everybody's welcome. Um, but, but, you know, what I also ask is that you please just let me know that you'll be coming and, um, and we will make declarations. Um, so we would know if we have to, if you have to keep that room or probably, if it's possible, um, pull the two rooms together and see if, if it's possible. But the numbers will tell us if we have to make more, more plans for that. God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. So as we go on, we are titling this triumphant entry, triumphant entry, but with a question mark. Triumphant entry, but with a question mark. When events like this happen, God, Jesus has always taken, not only Jesus, even John the Baptist was taught about these similar patterns that, that there has been a, a, um, a position, as it were, that Christ has always tried to take in order for people to have a clear understanding of what is happening. You would see this as we, as we go first to um, to Mark chapter, is it Mark seven? The first scripture it says, no, um, Mark chapter seven. Jesus said, and this is Jesus replied. He said, it, "It said Isaiah was right when he prophesied about hypocrites, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me." See, people read this scripture and people talk about. You know, um, your mind, um, you know, when people are doing, doing things that, um, as it were, that doesn't seem to match what their action is doing. That is right, but that was not what Jesus was pointing at. Because he went further and he said, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human, human rules. So what he's saying is that the position of their heart is influenced by the teachings by which they get so because of the teachings they are following, their heart is far away from me. What is making them able to worship me in that way? It is because of the teachings that have set their heart in a particular way. At times people just read this and go, oh, you know, no, that was all because Jesus further explained what he was talking about. That means that the teaching that you get positions the hearts that you have and influences the way you see God in worship. And you, you would read on when he said, he said, he later went on and he said that, um, let's go on, please. He said, you have let go the commandments of God and holding on to human traditions. Now, again, when people, when people talk about that, you know, Jesus said they are following you. He was actually talking about, they were doing the worship but they were already following it as normal traditions. They were normal, so he said, he said and you continue to have, you, you have a fine way of setting aside my commandments in order to observe your own traditions. You have a way by which you, 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 you it, it, is, it looks as if, it is, but God is saying, no, he said, the issue and those are the points that I will just point to. He said, no, you can't be having traditions. 
He said the issue is that they are hypocrites. But what their hypocrisy is about is that they are, they are, the teachings they are getting is influencing their mind. Have you ever heard of somebody who would say that, don't worry, don't worry, I will sing Psalm 51, we'll finish it. It is a teaching that has brought people's mind to that point. And so it gets to a point when you are reading Psalm 51, as far as God is concerned, it makes no sense. So he said, they are worshipping me, but their worship is in vain. Because, because the teachings they have gotten has made them comfortable where they are, thinking. You know, I was, many years ago, someone was, someone was talking to me about something, about about someone that I was having um, some uh, uh, dealing with, and the person said, ah, this person is this, and I said, you know what? I prefer to follow this person, even with all the shortcomings, I prefer to follow this person. I said, why? I said, because they have access to a teacher. I'm not saying that they are perfect, but I'm saying they have, because if they don't have access to you, see, no matter, <laughs> no matter how, and this is where the scripture differs, no matter how high you think that person can get, it's already bad. It's already bad. That's what Jesus was saying. He said, the issue is the teachings that they get. That's why when Jesus will come against the teachers of the law, he will say that you, these teachers, you are not giving people because no matter how much they want to rise, they are already bad. And somebody may be under a teaching or whatever it is and still not yet be there, but there is an opportunity for that one other than the other person, as far as scripture sees it. You know, I was, there was a prophet before in our church. We need to know. He, he called me one day, he said, he said, but I, you know, he must have thought that, you know, then he, went, he was still in church then. He said to me, he said, but he said, he used to use some angels when he was in his former church. And it was some powerful angels that was working with him. He said, but when he started to attend dear blessing, he said, he discovered those angels stayed outside. He said that they gave him new angels. Because those ones were allowing uh, it to, and all these kind of things. And I said to him, I said, nobody stopped any angel. What happened that you got a different teaching in a place that changed you. No, nothing. What changed? It's not that you entered it, but what changed is that you are under a different teaching and influences what you have access to. That's why Jesus said, Jesus said, he said, he said, he said, you you lock the door, you lock the gates of, 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 of the kingdom. You will not enter, and you will not allow that to enter. Why did Jesus not say that they can enter themselves? He said, you the teachers of law. That is why when scripture would constantly say, when the Bible talks about, you know, uh, people who are, past, uh, who are pastoring over, over, over you, and this, he said, because they will give account for your soul. So that means that they have an influence on what happens. It's not a popular teaching, but it's just, it's just things that I'm just trying to point to this out for us so that we can begin to see why we need to look closely well into 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 the um, into the triumphant entry and just have a look at it. I will not be going into it. There, there are different dimensions that which I, we can go into it. But what I just want to pull out today is just lessons, not necessarily going into details of it, but pull out a lesson out of it for us. And when you begin to look at the the way Scripture is written, especially the Gospels. The life Jesus lived 33 years. But you see that the four Gospels lays a chunk of their work on the last seven days of Jesus. You see, when the, 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 the first slide you wanted to bring up before. So you have 30 years of Jesus. Then he actually started ministry for three years. But for that seven, one week, you will see one week, Matthew, Matthew dedicates seven chapters out of the whole of 28 chapters to that one week. 
you have Mark dedicates five chapters out of 16 to one week. And you keep on, and now, what does this mean? This means that what they are trying to say to us that if you don't understand what happened in that seven days, your Christianity is in question. He's saying that the basis of, can you imagine that, you know, in the scripture you have, um, what's it called? You have the birth of Christ. In fact, you have the story about how he came, how they, and things like that. Those were even in chapter. But in all of it, see how much the Bible is dedicating to one week. So that alone should first of all point my mind to say, what is this one week exactly about? If you were to do um, exams and you pass that one week, if you were to mark it over 100, in the ratio of, sorry, I'm doing a bit of math, and you mean with, Tell me whether I'm wrong or not. In the ratio of 33 point something to 7, and you do that ratio based on that, you will see that at least you'll be scoring about 60% or 70% of the Do you get what I'm trying to say? So what I'm trying to say to you is that if you can understand what happened on that seven days, if you can keep on digesting, finding more and more of that what happened on seven days, a lot of issues will be resolved in our lives. So you begin to see that the apostles begin to make sure that that part of scripture is well documented. And you would see that there are times you would read certain things in scriptures, in, in John, in uh, Matthew, that may not be in John, and uh, things like that, like the way, uh, like the birth of Christ, was not necessarily, I think um, some recorded the way the birth of Christ was, some did not. They just skipped the story. It was good. But that was not the essence by which it came. But so when you begin to see the triumphant entry, all the four Gospels made sure they gave proper accounts of that, of that triumphant entry. Because that began the journey towards the end. That began the journey towards the end. And you have the seven days, or you know, we have from Sunday to can I make sense? From Sunday to to Saturday. Um, and you know, you have yeah, you have that, and on Sundays when he when when he arose, but you have that scripture in that way. You know how every one of them kind of detailed it. I'm saying that because as we begin to look, why is it important that we 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 just you know even as we celebrate Palm Sunday, we look closer and try to figure out what actually happened on that day. John chapter 12, you know, um, uh, John chapter 12 began to say, they said the next day a great crowd had come for the festival that had that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's read on He said, blessed, blessed is the king of Israel. And he, uh, king of Israel found on a donkey, sat on it as, sorry, Jesus found a young, sorry, Jesus found a, a young donkey and sat, sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughters of Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's court. Now, as we begin to look at this scripture, well, it's important that you we look at what that scripture, that scripture that was quoted, 
And that is Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. But we would, can you have, um, just move, just move, we'll come back to that. But we would just, I would just want to read a bit of context to it before we get to that verse now. So he said, but I will encamp at my temple and guard it against Maradus forces. Never, never again will an oppressor overrun my people. For, for now, I am keeping watch. Yes, ma'am. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. That's where the scripture comes from. Shout, daughters of Jerusalem. See, your king is coming. The righteous and victorious, lowly riding on a donkey and a colt. For I'm sorry, the fowl of a donkey, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle uh, and the battle bow will be broken. He said he will proclaim peace to the nations. His his his, his rule will be extended from sea to sea. At least now, this scripture is what John puts as a reference. To why Jesus was riding a donkey. Now, if you if you if you read from the beginning of that scripture, he's saying that he is coming to his temple. So when people, so when they were referring to Jesus as a king, and when they were referring to him as a savior, they were they were they, they are, the picture in their mind was the prophecy of Isaiah. Sorry, of um of um, Zachariah. I'm getting somewhere with this. Just for our information, if you go to the table I, I, you, you had before, Hosanna actually means save now. Or rescue us. That's what Hosanna means. So when they were saying Hosanna to the king, basically they said our rescuer has come. Why was it important for them? Because they were under they were under the rulership of, of, um, of the Romans. The Romans were the ones in charge. They were slaves in their own land. So when Jesus was coming, their intention of singing Hosanna was not about the salvation of their souls. It was about the fact that they are seeing this man that is coming to rescue them. So I kind of just kind of put it, put this there so that we can just see how you know the last two ones are Yoruba, but you know the best way I could I could I could explain it. But the first two ones are Hebrew kind of words. You have Hallelujah, which means praise be to God. Hosanna, which saved now. Iye means I am rescued or I am saved. Ogo means exalted. If you look at that, when you shout Hallelujah, Hosanna, you go. You have actually said a prayer. You have actually said the prayer. God, your name is praised. I ask that you rescue me. Thank you for rescuing me. Your name will forever be exalted. That's all you said. We say, Hallelujah, Osana, Yugo. That's all. Amen. God help us in Jesus' name. So, you know, as, as they begin to. Let's go to Psalm 118, please. Psalm 118. The Bible says, save us, Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, this same scripture, so when you take those two scriptures, Zechariah and this Psalms, and put it in that scripture, you will understand why they were shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, basically what they are saying is, Save us. Oh, our Savior has arrived. But what was, okay, so having said that, that is wonderful. But what is the issue in that shouting Hosanna? And you begin to see as, as John begins to go further to explain to us the issues within that kind of conversation. Let's go on to John chapter 12. We are still reading that chapter of 12. The Bible says, At first, his disciples 
did not understand all of this. But they were shouting Hosanna. He said, only after Jesus was glorified, they realized that these things which was written about him and what these things had been, had been done, the, the, the things that had been done to him. So the Bible says, while they were shouting Hosanna, they had no clue what was going on. Everybody was shouting Hosanna, but their interpretation of that Hosanna was different. Why? Because you would later see that those who were shouting Hosanna, a couple of days later, they began to say, kill him. Why? Because immediately when they captured him, they said that, no, this guy is a fraud. That was why they said they should kill him. Again, you will see that immediately when Jesus was died, his disciples went back to where they were doing before because their expectation of him was that the Hosanna was saying that this guy has come to rescue us. But what actually, you know, what actually formed that kind of thinking? What, what was, what, what was, the Bible says, when we go home, the Bible says, now, no, that is now the crowd was with now the crowd that was with him when he called Nazareth out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word about him and many people came and many people because they had heard that he had performed signs they went out to meet him so basically the reason why they came was that they saw the miracles that he had done and they said, ah, if this man can raise the dead, oh God, he can, he can rescue us all. He can, he can tell um, um, Caesar that I am here to defend my people. So what I'm trying to say is that the, the, what I'm pointing at here as we begin to go further is to see that yes, they were shouting Hosanna, but the reasons by which they were shouting it was different from the agenda in the mind of God. That's why you see the Bible began, and this issue is not new. Jesus has always been raising issues like this. If you go to Matthew chapter 16, you will see that the Bible says, Um, okay, let's go. Let's sorry, let's go to the previous. Um, the Bible says that um, the Bible talks about the fact that um, okay, let's read this scripture. This is one of the issues where I said that Jesus has been raised in, in John chapter 6, verse 24 to 27. The Bible says, Once the crowd realized that Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boat and they went to Capernaum to search for Jesus. And when they found him at the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them, very, very, I say to you, you are looking for me not because of you saw the signs I performed, but because you had the loaves, you had, you had the loaves and, and you were filled. He said, do you, do you work for Sorry, do not work for, for food that will spoil, but food that endures eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. He said, for, for, for on him will the Father place the seal of approval. Basically, what Jesus, the same issue Jesus was raising is that the reason why you are following me is what you would get. And it is not that God does not give. But if that is the agenda, you would miss God. We said this a time ago. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. It did not say, it did not say you follow the sign. It says signs will follow you as you follow Christ. Mm -hmm. 
Let's conclude. And that is why you will always see Jesus will get to a point and ask his disciples, who do you say that I am? What is your definition of who I am? Because as Jesus was coming into Jerusalem as the king and savior, they all acknowledged that. But their understanding of who he was was the issue. That's why I quoted the scripture when Jesus was talking about Isaiah. He said that the teachings they get as gain inspires the way they worship him. So the Bible says, it said, Simon Peter answered, you are Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for, it is, for this is not revealed to you by flesh or blood, but my father who is in heaven. I tell you, you are Peter, the rock. I will build my church. So what is God saying? It is on the perfect revelation of who Jesus is. That he builds his church. So that means that if a church will last or not, it doesn't matter what is happening. It is the it is the vision of who what who do you think Jesus is? If your life and my life will withstand the challenges, it it is it is anchored on my revelation of who I think Jesus is. Because the definition of who I think Jesus is will determine how far I can move. Because if, if your definition of Jesus is that he has to do something for me all the time, then if he doesn't do it in the time or the way that you expect it to be done, your things will collapse because the revelation of Jesus is killed. That is why when Jesus... See, please note that by the time Jesus was saying this, these people, they've left their house, they've left everything. In fact, they've been doing miracles. And yet, after all of that, Jesus said, let us talk. Who do you think I am? And Jesus, we're going to tie this all together. And Jesus, that's why Jesus would, would that's why the Bible would always, that's why Jesus said, see, the ability to know is not within you alone. You need help. To be able to understand who I am. See, if your central prayer, can you ask yourself, when was the last time you deliberately asked God, God, I want to know you? At times we think it is a given. <laughs> One day, God, I felt that God challenged me at something. The Bible says that Daniel fasted for 21 days of a long period of time. I think 21 days or so. Did Daniel fast? Why do you think Daniel fasted? The Bible says it. The Bible says Daniel was reading the book of Jeremiah and he did not understand and he began to fast for 21 days. He was reading the Bible and it got to a point he did not understand. When has your desire gets to that point where you would dedicate three weeks of fasting and say, God, if you don't show me this thing, that is why when the angel came, the angel did not say, I have come to give you deliverance. The angel said, we have come to explain to you the scriptures. So an angel was dispatched from heaven 
to come and explain scriptures to him. Do you realize that the, the fight that we talk about, Balogupasia, that was um, that was holding the angel, that, that, that big battle was about understanding scriptures. That was what the battle was about. Daniel 9, Daniel 10, that was what was there. It was the battle about how to understand scriptures. That Gabriel could not reach a conclusion in the fight that God had to dispatch Michael to say, Michael, you need to go and finish on this battle. <laughs> See, the day when he said, do you realize the value in understanding my word? At times we have, we have expressed Michael Olusegun as when you are in only battle alone, but actually there are rare occasions you will see in scriptures where Michael goes to battle. But one of the prominent ones that we see Michael advance in battle was over somebody crying to God, I don't understand the scriptures. See, at times when God expressed certain things to me, <laughs> you know, I don't have anything to say. Because it just feels like, okay, uh, you have been calling on Angel Gabriel, Angel Michael, for the past one week. On what? Angels of heaven were dispatched on the basis of somebody having a clear understanding of who God is. See, that's what, that is why the Bible later says, let's read on to Mark, Mark chapter 11, please. Okay, um, sorry, I just want to, okay, let's, let's, now, Mark chapter 11, let's just read. And the Bible says that, uh, okay, before we get there, I, I just had a picture of hope. You know, this is mercy, and, you know, he, this, there's a guy here that they are strangling his neck because, and all mercy can do for him is to offer his Jesse to him. And you have mercy also sitting down in his house, between this picture during the COVID lockdown, all the Jesses that he has acquired. What am I trying to say? You can buy those Jesse in Sports Direct. What matters is who gave you those Jesses. You can see, what, it wasn't a question that they were shouting hallelujah that mattered, or Hosanna. But who did, do, do they understand that they are shouting to? That is what brought value to what they were given. Does this make sense to us? I don't know that means, I just kind of thought it in my head. Amen. Let's go on, please. Now, so as we are, I'm just going to move quickly to the other part of that scripture. But I'm going to pick it from Mark. Like I said, every one of them gave account of it. So as Jesus entered Jerusalem, after the Hosanna the praise, everything was rolling up high. The Bible says, and he entered, and when he went into the temple courts, he looked around at everything. But since it was late, he went out to Bethany with, his, with, with the twelve. So by the time Jesus, it was as if Jesus got into, into the temple and people did not realize who just walked in. They were worshipping the God they were worshipping just stepped in and they did not realize it. So the Bible says Jesus walked back and he went to Bethany. 
and you will begin to see Jesus fire a warning shot. This scripture is what maybe, you know, it's also right because Jesus later explained it in that dimension of faith. But you will begin to see that the Bible says that, and Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus returned to the temple, and so it was already late. Now, verse 12 says, the next day, as he was leaving Bethany, so he was, he was going back to Jerusalem, and Jesus was hungry. Let's go on. Seeing in the distance a fig tree, sorry, a fig tree, a fig tree in leaves, he went to find out if there was any fruit. When he reached to it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not his season for fig. Um, it was not the because it was not the season for figs. Then he, he said to the tree, "May no." One ever hit fruit from you again, and we said this, and he said this. Sorry, and his disciples heard him say this. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling. He overturned the tables and things like that. Now, I want to, I want to just explain something to you. What is the relevance of that story that was in between it? What was Jesus trying to do? When did he just want to curse the tree? Jesus was fine, as it were, firing a warning shot that I have been to the temple. I expected to see something, but I did not meet it. I am going there to place a curse on them. That was, what was that was why John brought that story in between. To say that Jesus was, had already pre-warned them before he, he turned up in the temple. Because there was no reason why he could have done that. The Bible says he said it, his disciples had him say it. So see, there, were, there are miracles that Jesus do in scripture. And those miracles are intended to say a story. That's why you would see that there are more common miracles that Jesus did. Opening the eyes of the blind, casting out demons. That the Bible would detail. He healed the sick, but the one the Bible detailed more was those two things. Why? Because he came to open the eyes of men, to see Christ, to see God, and to deliver them from the control of hell. So he was not just throwing miracles. All the miracles of Jesus had a story behind it. So what happened was that Jesus fired the warning shot and saying that I am coming back to this temple. And when I'm coming back, there would be no excuse. Can I just quickly say to us that at that times that God has fired warning shots around you and because he doesn't really concern you or you feel that it is not you that he's talking to, you have, you have taken your eyes away from the story. Maybe you say God deal with somebody next to you and you feel that well, God just dealing with them because of X, Y, Z. It was a warning shot for you. And I've seen many occasions when God fire warning shot for people. Oh no, this is what he has just shot a warning shot for you to hear. I can remember one day when and I've shared this a couple of times, I had a dream about, about a man of God who fell into certain things. And I tried my best to kind of, you know, I called somebody who was, it was more, and I said, this person, this and this, this and this, you can really pray and X, Y, Z. So I, so one day I was in a gathering, and I saw a man of God who stood up and said that, you know, he stood up in public. I said, that man of God is, he has fallen, he's this, he's that. God spoke to me about this, Paul spoke to me about that. I can remember that the day that God showed me the incident about that man of God. 
I stood up that morning, and the first thing I said to God, if you can show me about the weakness of this man, the day I to mess up, you will show someone else. See, and that was when I went back and said, God, you need to help me in my own job. Guess what? The man that God showed those things and he stood up in a congregation and discussed it to disparage that man and things like that, that man is an abolished now. And that man of God that fell has been restored by God. What happened? A warning shot was fired in his hearing and he felt, I am different. I beg you by the mercies of God. If God fires a warning shot anywhere close to you, even if it does not concern you, check yourself first. Because when he was coming to Jerusalem, he fired the warning shot and everybody saw it. Ah, it was a miracle. Oh, see how he spoke to the fig tree and the fig tree just died. Not knowing. <laughs> That the Yobaibo Oparokoro He sent them a message. I beg you by the mercies of God. If you see, if you see something, I'm not saying the Bible says to us, the Bible teaches us that you know you can correct. The Bible says you can judge. That's what Paul said. Paul said, if I don't judge people within the church, how would I judge people outside? So I cannot see somebody doing something wrong now. And give that one I'm talking about to what, what, what politicians are doing. That's the scriptures. But what I'm trying to say to you is this. If you, if you, even while you are, if, even if you are in charge of disciplining somebody, Please discipline that person with fear for yourself. I'm not saying don't discipline the person. Discipline that person with fear for yourself. Because what that discipline process for that person is a warning shot for you. Even if you can understand this, that the Bible says God is not a respecter of people. But most of the time, because something happens close to you, or you see something that is close to you, or whatever the case may be, you see, you, 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 and this is not, say, this is not exactly about the way you, you would know within your mind. It's a thing of the mind. You would know within your mind. Because if you first of all see something, and the first, like I said, when I had that dream, the first thing I woke up to say, God, the fact that you can show me this, Tells me one thing. You will show my whole issue to somebody else. Why? I'm not different. But somebody came out of that dream and said, ah, that person has issues. Yes, they have issues. God did not say he doesn't have issues. But please, quickly respond to your own self first. So we saw that Jesus fired the warning shots before he arrived there. So by the time he arrived there, he only pronounced the cause. He only did what he had done on his way down to Jerusalem. All what we are saying here is what is your vision of who God is? The disciples still held on to it. When you go to Acts chapter 1 from 6, 8, 8 from Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, you six, the Bible says when they gathered around him, they said, Lord, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel? Basically, even his disciples were still arguing with him, sir, we know that you have resurrected now. Okay, when are we, when is this, when are you going to save Israel? And Jesus was saying, see, this, this thing doesn't concern you. You just need to, uh, and that's what God would grant us grace to do. The Bible says that those who know their God, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Daniel chapter 11, verse 31 and 32. Sorry, I just got on my time. As we read on, and this is where 
I hope that you know our prayers would would center on. Jesus rode into Jerusalem. It was a triumphant entry as prophesied. Or even those that partook in the event did not understand what they were taking part in. Each time I read this thing, it always amazes me. The Bible says in Luke chapter 24 from verse 44, the Bible says, And he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. So basically, Jesus said, I have been teaching you all this while. This is Jesus, the greatest teacher of all. He said, Everything you that everything everything must be fulfilled as it is written about me in the laws of Moses and prophets and the Psalms. Then, so he has been teaching them for long, three years. The Bible says, then, he now opened their mind so that they could understand the scriptures. So that means that they were sitting in the class of Jesus, but they never understood. Until their minds were opened. That means a man could be receiving from God and yet have no clue what, is to, what they're talking about. Until God himself opens your mind. And that is what was missing at the triumphant entry. Their hearts were closed and they could not see who Christ was. They shouted Hosanna, but they were shouting for only political reasons. It was never for the salvation of their souls. That is why David, when David will pray the prayer in Psalm 119 verse 18, David would say, open my eyes to see the wondrous truths in your law or in your instructions. If you read the King James Version and uh, NIV, he would say, in your law. So David, can you not read the Bible? But David is saying, God, open my eyes so that I can see these things. John 4, 10. And Jesus kept on, this is a team without Jesus. If only you know the gift of God and who asks you for water. And he brings me back to the scripture we've been using all through the week because I was, I wanted to go to, you know, I wanted to talk about Palm Sunday, which we have somehow talked about. And I'm like, God, I'm going to move away from our knowing God. And I thought God would say, no, it is still the same story. The issue there was that they did not know who he was. They saw him. In fact, the disciples were the one that brought the, the donkey for him to ride. Yet, they had no clue what was going on. And the Bible says, this is eternal life. John 17, that they would know you and the holy true God. The holy you, the holy true God, and Jesus, the Son whom you have sent. That is our prayer on this Palm Sunday. Because at that point, would you and I be able to come to a place of fulfillment. You may have the lion of God as the nature of God within you. As Genesis puts it to us, Genesis just to us, that's the last scripture we read. He said, Judah, you are, you, you, are, you are he whom your brother shall praise. And your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. 
He said, your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's help. For the prey, sorry, from the prey, my son will have gone up. He said, he will bow, he, he, he will, he, he, sorry, the bows down, and he, sorry, he bows down and lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall arouse him? So the lion will not arise, but the Bible says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah and the lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And the Bible says, he shall, and to him shall be all the obedience of people, the binding of his donkey to the vine, and his donkey's colts to the choice vine. He will wash his garment with wine and clothes with blood of grapes. Basically, what he's saying is that the deliverance of Judah, the ability in Judah, would only be set free when Shiloh finally arrives. And how will he arrive? He will arrive with his donkey as he walks in. There is a lot that God is about to do in your life or can achieve through you in this palm period. But a revelation of who you think he is goes along. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.